After 35 years in the powder coating industry, this expert knows a thing or two about problem solving. He's worked as a consultant with coders around the world. He takes a hands-on common sense approach to today's discussion on who's calling the shots for us in this industry. For instance, what do we call ourselves? Should we be forging manifest destiny to the industry or should we continue to strive for our own unique individual path? Could the industry workforce problem be solved through inclusiveness and diversity within the custom coder community? We troubleshoot some real world problems as we ponder our identity, workforce and training and our development as a whole with potential outcomes for the future. Get ready to level up your powder coder game. Welcome to Roscoe's Powder Coder Podcast. I'm your co-host, Kim Scott, where we interview influencers and talk about trending topics so you can grow your powder coating biz. Today's episode is sort of a continuation on what we've been talking about from episodes 55 and 56, which is kind of a state of the industry. Where are we now? Where have we come from? And where are we going in the future, especially in custom coating? Are we creating a cult of disinformation through social media and uh, following Instagrammers or influencers? Are they giving us the wrong information? Um, why is the greater industry sharing more information for us so that we can learn faster, grow faster? Why is it so hard to get that information? Um, are road coders and automotive influencers influencing the marketplace too much for our customers? And are there just too many newbies popping up near you uh, thinking they're going to take your business away from you or challenging you or, you know, uh, are, you, are you just a whiny professional that can't stand the competition? Today's guest uh, was on an episode that generated the most downloads in 2022. Terry Peterson is a consultant for the powder coating industry. And I love the fact that he is boots on the ground. Nobody knows anything more than he does. And he has been and done and seen it all. So Terry, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Kim. Good to, good to talk to you again. And, and I, I like the intro, but I don't, I don't know if I know it all. I don't know if I've seen it all, but um there's been a few things that I probably come across that are that have been strange in the past, but yeah, thank you. Good talk to you. Yeah, yeah, it's always good. And you know, I guess um, I'm in those uh, groups on Facebook, and a lot of times you have to proclaim that you're a professional. So I'm just here to let you know that I've got my magic wand out here, and I deem you. <laughs> Uh, so just in case you're 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 claiming yourself a, a self-proclaimed professional in in the uh, consultant industry, uh, I'm just here to to just knight you and tell you that yes, you do know more, and you are uh, not sharing disinformation. So, just wanted to share that with you. You well, are fully you. knighted. 
<laughs> on this disinformation. Show. That, that's a that's a term <laughs> that uh, can probably go away pretty soon. But uh, yeah, I remember in the past, uh, a professional was always somebody that was, came in from out of town that had slides and a notebook, and that deemed them a professional. So I guess that's kind of, I don't know about the slides anymore, but uh, pictures and notebook are probably my main. <laughs> right. And, you know, I mean, so let's, let's, for those that haven't listened to episode five, uh, let's go into a little bit of your background just to kind of refresh everybody's, but you've been in business or you had a, you, you were in the powder coating industry or have been for the last 35 years. So tell us how it got started and where you're at now. Yeah, how did you get exactly. it? Well, it started out about 35 years ago. I, uh, was a painting contractor and I heard of this new, um, finishing uh, uh, entity that was coming coming about called powder coating. And and I just jumped into it both feet, bought an oven, bought a gun, uh, had no idea what I was doing and actually just started doing it. And for about uh, six months, I just destroyed about everything I touched. Um, so that's, that's kind of a lot of my background. But um, yeah, then I, I blossomed into a custom shop, ran that for... Um, Oh, close to 30 years, 28 years, somewhere around there. Uh, had a number of employees, um, went back to myself, had a number of employees again, uh, did a lot of custom work. Um, and when it came to the end, I was just at the point where I didn't want to deal with the day-to-day um, um, heat in the summer and, and dealing with uh, the customer aspects and so on and so forth. And I'd been helping a lot of people uh, throughout the years because I was really about the only coder uh, in the Midwest for the longest time. You talk about folks starting up down the street, and people being nervous. I used to get nervous when somebody started up a state away from me because it was so thin at the time with the amount of work. Um, and I just figured when I sold my business, I would see if I could help some folks. And it just kind of blossomed into a, a nice little entity where, uh, yes, I am kind of an unusual um consultant in the fact that I do go in, I do work with people hands-on. Um, I, I will help them design systems and work with them on equipment and give them advice that way. But for the most part, it's training, it's working with them with their, their difficult situations uh, and so on and so forth. And I work with everything from mom and pop organizations all the way up to aerospace uh, industry customers. So um, I've got a smattering of, of quite a few things over the last number of years. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I think it's great. Um, you know, and, and, and that's what I've come to realize is that you either have people like yourself that are willing to share, willing to help. Uh, and then there's these other guys that will either to a degree or, uh, or don't want, or is still kind of just, you know, not interested in helping anybody mm -hmm. because they think their secrets will be taken away or, you know, whatever, or their business will be taken away. And it, it you know, um, I think that's just natural. Uh, I remember being a paint coder here when I wanted to get into uh, furniture refinishing and stuff like that. And it was pretty much the same kind of attitude, although it was mostly like, I'm not gonna share anything with you, you're on your own kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, right. fine. I'm, you know, like, I, I'm not stupid. I can learn this myself. Right. So, uh, you know, I, it's, I guess it's, 
it's just something that just happens in any industry. I don't think it's exclusive to powder coating, but uh, it, it just makes it especially difficult because for people to get into this market, uh, just because there isn't a lot of readily available information um, to uh, for someone to jump into this industry. Mm -hmm. So it just makes it really hard. I hear what you're saying there. Now, there, there, there's a lot of information, but there's really not a lot of concise information. Um, and, and that's where it becomes difficult, I think, for people. Um, a lot of times I see folks jumping into the business and uh, instantly they're looking for advice. They're looking for help. Um, and, and I'm kind of a firm believer that you really need to trial and error and kind of work through things yourself and, and get a feel for what you're doing before you're, you know, you're reaching out to folks. Because um, I mean, down the road, it's a good thing if you need some advice, but there's so many different sources of guns now and, and people building their own ovens and, and the way they heat and, and the way the guns operate and atmospheric situations that they're in. Um, powders are not the same um, company to company and, and line to line. Um, so you see all kinds of information being thrown around. And it, it sometimes it frustrates me because uh, I want to go, you know, what, what is your situation? What is your specific situation that we can deal with? It, it may not be what the fellow is that you're talking with, uh, their situation is. So, you know, it, it's, it's not apples to apples all the time. And it, it, sometimes, as I said before, it, it gets a little frustrating and I want to just jump through the, you know, through the screen and help them, <laughs> but it's right. not always, it's not always that easy. And yeah, I mean, it's true that every shop is unique. Um, and I think that that's kind of part of the, I think there's a twofold problem too, is, is that, you know, there's, it's not easy to learn it, but also when you go on social media or you uh, see people, um, influencers in the market on Instagram or whatever, and you get inspired by them, because I'm certainly inspired by them when I follow sure. them on Instagram and stuff, you don't know their methods. And so I think the, I think the mystique where the, uh, a lot of the disinformation happens or starts is when you see an influencer or you see somebody with so many followers or whatever, and you see their work and it's just exceptional. It's, glorious looking, you know, on the screen, uh, people don't, they just see that that person has arrived in the marketplace, but they don't see the behind the story kind of thing. I mean, some of what we're trying to do here on the show is uncover those stories and share those stories of custom coders, right. um, yeah, to let people know that it, it kind of, you know, took them a long time. What you see today is not the, you know, it, it sort of started more humbly than that. And I think that that's kind of part of the problem, especially with new guys. They see all this blingy stuff on Instagram and they think, oh, I can do that, you know. Exactly. And you know what they, and they probably can with time and with, with uh, uh, more experience. And yes, there are a number of, of coders out there that I've, I've followed and watched that do exceptional work, absolutely great. And I know for a fact they didn't, um, uh, develop that technique or develop that finish overnight. I know they didn't because yeah. a lot of what 
folks are doing now with the custom wheel work and the custom two color layons and so on and so forth. And, and then introducing the ceramics into it. That takes time to figure out how to do that and how to make it work. Um, and yes, now a lot of people want to just jump in and, and say, hey, I can, I can do it. Yeah, you can, but you just want to kind of shake them a little bit and go, it's going to take you time. Be patient. Yeah. You, you, right. you know, so yeah, you're right. It's, uh, you know, it, it's funny because I just attended a webinar with, uh, I guess, the CEO of or president of PPG um, uh-huh. talking about OEM coatings um, and the future of OEM coatings and how to create paints that are more eco-friendly and yet can continue to be, uh, uh, I guess, quickly applied or, you know, like to keep productivity uh, going faster on these cars, right, as they're producing Mm -hmm. these cars and stuff like that. And, and yet, you know, and here was the, you know, the, the head guy at, over at PPG talking about, you know, yeah, it's nice to be able to um, present these OEM type coatings that were, you know, they're trying to develop in the marketplace uh, to become more greener um, applicators. But when you start introducing two tones, which is what is quite popular, you know, that kind of presents a bit more of a problem, right? Because that's kind of what where this is going. I mean, these uh, chrome coating guys are under pressure. Uh, and so it's going to be, you know, less and less availability of getting chrome coated rims or, cr- mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're kind of pressing down on that part of the business. And so um, paint coatings and uh, powder coatings are going to kind of be growing in that sense. Uh, and so I think there'll be less, to me, I think there'll be less and less chrome rims out there just in terms of availability. Uh, and so it's going to lean more towards these two-tone effects and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I think that's definitely going to be a trend that's staying. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you mm-hmm. agree with me or not on that, but. Well, I do. And, and you've seen so much of it, you know, lately, um, with with uh, the manufacturers and their their custom wheels that they offer, you know they're they're more color keyed than they are or color coded. Black being the most popular, but there there are others out there. So people are looking for something different. So the two tone, yes, and I do think you're seeing much more uh, aluminum uh, being used, um, and and that poses a whole other issue in in protecting the the alloys and so on and so forth. Uh, right. But um, yeah, that, that's probably why you're seeing more and why people are trying to stretch it a little bit. And and thankfully, some fellows have come up with some great ways of uh, of dealing with this versus the old hand white method that I used to use. Uh, yeah, you know, I know. Ago. We we just interviewed um, Scott Coates, who's developed some products for that. That was the last episode we produced. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he really has a great story. I, I encourage everybody to go over there and, and listen to that uh, podcast because, uh, you know, that's kind of towards the end of the show. We started talking about his beginnings and stuff. And what you see today is, you know, not how it started. And he was uniquely poised. Right. And that's, I think what I like about his story is that he was uniquely poised to create these new inventions. Uh, 
and and really maybe the message today as if you are thinking about come you know getting more into the custom coder industry or starting a business or continuing on and growing in this business is to look back at your background and utilize your background to make what make you a unique custom coder and that's exactly what Scott did I, I, you know I had no idea uh, and that's why I asked him the question you know like how do you this with that you know and and he kind of laid that out and I think that that's kind of the message I think that's certainly what Ross and I have done um, uh, particularly with the patinas that we've created and right. stuff like that. Uh, and uh, and that's how you and I got started because I reached out to you uh, to to see what you thought of these finishes and stuff. You know, we had no clue what we were, you know, um, if these were even going to work and stuff. And that's how I found out about you. And you were only one of two people uh, to take, you know, to talk to me that were actually you know, available uh, to talk to uh, in terms of consulting, you know? Yeah, so we definitely yeah. need more consultants out there for sure. Well, you, you, I think we do. I think there are a lot of situations where um, folks that are in need of help of consultants are either nervous to reach out, they don't realize, uh, you know, it's hard to put put your finger on. I'm seeing more and more now um, corporations that are reaching out, companies that are reaching out because of their their mass coding um, lines that they have that they're having problems with. They need somebody hands on. Not so much, you know, the, the smaller entities. Now, I, I don't know why because the smaller entities. Well, a I'm sure they don't have a lot of finances to to spend. Uh, and, and having somebody work with them, uh, not that I'm all that expensive, but, um, you know, it, it does cost, um, but there are other ways of doing it, too. You can do it via, you know, via the Internet. I can look at things. Uh, I'm a big one on, on getting back to some of the situations that people run into. Um, you've got to see what you've got to look at it. You've got to understand what they're dealing with, what their shop is. Um, you see so many pictures on there and, and, and fellows will go, or, or ladies will go. What what's wrong? <laughs> you know, well, I have right. no idea other than it's it's not right. You know, we need more background. So, right. yeah, we we probably do need some more um, hands-on consultants out there to to kind of broaden the industry a little bit and get people a little more um, uh, interested or or familiar with you know what we're doing. I think for me, like too, is is what are you know, I've heard so many different names people call us as, you know, I call it custom coded, coder or custom coding. Um, I've heard trade coders. I, I have heard home pros. I've heard, um, uh, what else have I heard? I've heard um, garage coders. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like it's important for us to kind of all get together and call ourselves something. Um, and then otherwise the industry is just going to call us whatever they want to call us. Right. You know, and I, I, I feel like that's part of why we call it the voice of the voice of custom coding, because yeah. if we don't have a voice or we don't, you know, have call ourselves something, um, 
you know, where will we be? Because we'll just be manipulated by the greater industry uh, or the, you know, the uh, people that are, you know, calling us these names, right? You know, right. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that or if it, a name is really worth anything to you, but. Uh, well, it, it, there, there, and we, we talked about this before. Um, there are so many names out there. And I, I think initially what the shop themselves or the owner, when they start up or, or they're, they're into this for a while, they have to decide themselves what their market is going to be. Um, and then whether they be, as I call a lot of them, artistic coders, um, again, like you and Ross with your, your patinas, that that's art. And, and some yeah. of the, uh, the, the work that, that uh, these fellows and, and ladies are doing uh, with the two-tone and, and three-color setups and so on and so forth, that, that's really art. It's more artistic. Yeah. Um, and then you've got people that, that want to do that, but they really want to do, you know, job shop work too. So it's kind of hard to lump them into. So I think they really have to portray to folks who they are and, and what market they're going after. And then they're always the ones that want to just get anything, you know, to do. And, and I can understand that. You're trying to pay back on the equipment you just spent money on. But uh, right. so to label it, uh, you can't label them custom coders because custom coders are are really more than that. Um, job shops, now nah, that's a little bit larger entity. I think, and that really the custom coder fall, falls more into the job shop type situation where they are doing more manual uh, coding, but they are doing some custom work. Um, yeah, that, that's a good one, Kim. I, I don't know what, you know, I've thought about this. I don't know what you'd label uh, these folks as, um, but I think um, they do need to figure out where, where their marketplace is at and maybe um, start conveying whatever their, their, uh, uh, product is, uh, you know, and more of their verbiage than, than right. trying to label the whole group per se. I, I don't, I don't know yeah. if you can really don't. I don't know. Yeah. It's difficult. And I think that, you know, we, we seem to have waves of guys starting and then stopping and then another wave comes in and stuff like that. Um, I think, I think my biggest, um, understanding of it right now at this point okay is that the influencers and like the greater industry people uh that represent the greater group of professional uh powder coating okay mm -hmm. today they love talking or writing articles about generational coders that have made it right oh third generation line coder or look at these people over here they they've been in business since you know 1979 or something like that right and it's right. and then that you know of course when you read within the story of the person um there's always this uh oh they started in the garage <laughs> or they started with just mom and pop or they started with two sons or whatever, mom, you know, a father and a son or something like that. Now they're built this business up to this and that level or whatever. And that's always the story. You know, it's, it's a general story. I'm generalizing. Um, but I think it's funny how they always love talking about those humble beginnings and, and yet ignore the current 
custom coder today. <laughs> you know, they right. love talking about this, about how they made it, but they don't necessarily write articles to custom coders or they don't necessarily address our market in their magazines or their blog posts or their uh, or, or, or their acknowledgments in any way. Right. Uh, you know, and that is sort of frustrating to me um, to, to, I don't, and I think it's because we're so small, so micro that maybe it just, it's hard to kind of rate or analyze us as a group. Mm -hmm. I always kind of dream of the fact that maybe if we got all together, we could have a greater voice and have a bigger influence in the market, but that's, you know, could be a pipe dream of mine. I don't know. Um, what do you, I mean, do you see that happening? Am I making stuff up or, you know, I just, I, I get. No, 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 no. I, I, I see what you're talking about. And, and they're always more willing to want to write or, or, or discuss, you know, the, the people that have made it big and, and gone from, as you said, maybe their small shop or their garage. And now they've got um, four or five lines running and they're, they're doing work for, uh, a number of OEMs and so on and so forth. And that's wonderful. I mean, it, it really is. It, that's a lot of work. Yeah. But there's a whole different time frame that's involved in, in what they've done. And but I do believe that a lot of the we'll just we'll just stick to it, custom coders. Um, they've come a long ways too. They've come a long ways. And you're right. I do think somebody who who wants to um you know, express more uh, interest or more uh, background on these folks need to uh, to write about them or bring it forward because folks have started from, you know, a little uh, uh, zip gun to a little uh, kitchen oven and, and they've progressed into, you know, a very nice shop and they do absolutely gorgeous work and they're sought out by people because of it. Um, so I think, again, yeah, you're right. I, I think that needs to be portrayed more in the industry and I think that will probably help and it may drive more folks to to work down that line too, um, to to move that type of entity where they're they're doing more fine work and custom work and and um, well I mean this you know. kind of leads back into the whole workforce problem that we're facing right or lack of workforce and yeah. so you know, when I, um, in episode 55, when I just had with, uh, you know, um, Kevin um, from PCI, you know, we kind of lightly touched on the subject of where they think they're going to be getting people um, into the mm -hmm. workforce. And, you know, his thought was, well, we'll just go to the colleges and we'll, we'll, we'll offer these classes and We'll talk to those people. And it's like, no, we don't need any more college graduates. Okay. There's too many people with degrees and not enough people to do the, the, the hard laborious work mm -hmm. uh, of, you know, brooding out a coding business in the coding business. And, you know, my thought is, is why not, uh, why can't the workforce come from these custom coding shops? They're the ones that are, you know, there's a lot of us out there. Why can't we create a, re, you know, more regional, you know, my thought today is, you know, maybe we make regional training uh, shops, job shops, you know, they're, they're mm -hmm. still doing jobs, right? You have to have hands on job 
uh, projects to work on to even train. You know, it's just one of those kinds of businesses that you have to learn. You can't just be reading a manual and going, okay, I know how to do it now. Um, right. And, right. you know, I just, I mean, they're, they do offer their classes, uh, 101 and 102 or something like that. Uh, uh, and it's a pretty strenuous class. It's pretty long and strenuous. And of course you get a book with it. And the manual that they have is extensive and um, I've read through it and it's a pretty good manual. Uh, so there's that, but uh, you really do need training centers. Uh, in order to teach people the right way. And then they go off, say they grow up in these custom coder shops and they grow up to either own their own business or or go into other, you know, regular employee type situations in greater, bigger job shops. Uh, I don't know. That's just some of my thoughts. It's like, well, why can't you just reach out into the industry that's already there, particularly the custom coder, you know, arena, uh, since those people are more diverse and more spread out through the country. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the only the only negative I see with that is that obviously folks that have good employees and good people Run don't want to lose right? them. Yeah, so, uh, right. you know, that that's kind of a double-edged sword. That way. Yeah, it is. Getting people enticed into it. And, and again, in all the years that I had my shop and, and I've worked with other businesses and trying to help them, bring employees in and train and so on and so forth. Um, it, it, it's not, it's not, it's not easy. Um, I don't know if there's, if there's a magic wand. I think somebody really just has to get the spark when they start working with somebody to say, yeah, I want to, uh, I want to learn more. I want to do more. I'd like to have my own yeah. shop some, um, and, and learn as much as they can. Uh, unfortunately that shop loses somebody because of that. But uh, I don't know how else, you know, we bring folks in. Um, you know, a lot of it has to do with who you're working for, uh, your employer, uh, employer-employee relationship, you know, that yeah. type of thing. Um, we can get into that in other discussions. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it's, not, it's not easy. Um, and I've seen this year after year after year with folks and how difficult it is for people to, to find people. And not only just the custom coders and the job shops, but, you know, the larger operations trying to find somebody, just somebody to come in and labor to hang parts and, and uh, unhang parts and package them. Yeah. How difficult it yeah. is. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I wish I had an answer for that, Kim. Well, fortunately, I have a magic wand. So, no. Maybe something. Well, does I mean, as many people as possible and, and help their employees and and so on and so forth. Um, you know, that that's about all that I can really. Yeah, because it seems like what's happening now, what I'm seeing now is that people, individuals uh, are. Um, and I, this just came out recently on on one of the Facebook groups, you know, somebody put out, hey, I have a course wasn't us. Um, it was just somebody I can't even remember the name of it, but it was like, uh -huh. It, it was like, it started off as, hey, that's great. Good for you to all the way to, hey, didn't you just start in this business? How are you doing a course now, right? You know, you're, you're not a 30-year professional, so please don't say that you are. So, you know, um, it, it just, 
it, it's like damned if you do and damned if you don't. I'm surprised that we haven't gotten more, I guess, flack from people by being bold enough to have a podcast, you know? And if you love the podcast, uh, we do have, I know we've got a lot of fans out there and I want to say thank you to the fans too. Um, I'm happy that we haven't gotten a lot of flack, maybe because we're trying to bring in professionals like yourself uh, to, to, you know, everybody that comes on the show is an expert. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm putting my two cents in just based on the people that I've talked to in the last sure. two years, three sure. years, uh, you know, that's all I can do. Right. Uh, yeah. But I, I feel bad for the guys that are trying to go out and, and do a course or, you know, it takes a lot of effort to put out a course. I don't know how good they are. I've never checked them out. Uh, I know of um, uh, one guy that we're working with today in the UK market where, um, you know, he's got a course. Of course, it's, you know, that's his, most of his experience has been in the UK um, mm -hmm. and the EU, but, uh, you know, so it's based around that. He shared me some, shared some slides with me and stuff and it's technical because that's his background, right? So right. I, I just wish there was some way to kind of magically um, create a course that was interactive or, you know, uh, maybe we should just get together more as a group and create our own course too. Maybe more voices is better than, than just one guy out there. Like I'm going to create a course and charge, 50, you know, hundred bucks or whatever to learn my system when it's so hard. Every, I don't know, every shop is different. I, I do like your idea, but getting the group, you know, getting a group of people together. It would be great if within that group you had a few places that um, felt comfortable enough that they'd be willing to have people come in yeah. uh, to the business and um, have folks take a course or spend a day or two working with them or seeing how that, that business operates. Um, you know, you're, you're stepping on kind of thin ice there in, in some situations, but um, you know, again, I, getting back to working on things in somebody's shop with their own equipment, their own, their own way of doing it, or their own um, um, equipment, their own parts, and so on and so forth. Um, that's really the only way that I've ever found to have people really learn what they're doing. Uh, so if, if you had them come into another custom shop, somebody's willing to do that, at least they would get more of a hands-on Right. feel for how it actually operates. Um, yeah. The phone rings. Customers coming in, hands on, you know, hands on, and, and, and how they market and so on and so forth. There, yeah. There's a lot that goes into it, and and uh, and of course, sitting in a classroom. I don't know. I don't think you really. I've had more people say to me over the years. You know, we we sent people here, we sent people there, but they really didn't get anything out of it. And that's right. why we have you. Not again. Why they have? But they said that's why we have you yeah. coming in to to sit back, watch folks, see what they're doing, and, and kind of help them work through it um, a little right. bit better. So, yeah, I'm not a big one on the courses. Uh, it's hard. In, it's so hard, you know. Um, I, yeah, it continues to kind of just gnaw at me sometimes, you know. Um, yeah. Well, let's see. What else? Are, I think we've kind of, you know, we're talking about this gap, um, in training, uh, where are we going to get this workforce? You know, we've recently hired someone full time. You've probably seen them walking back and forth. 
Uh, you mm -hmm. know, he's doing okay. I think that, you know, he's, um, he, you know, he has a lot of just mechanical experience already. So I think that it kind of helps uh, with the training. Um, but still, there's a lot to learn about, especially when you get into restoration work, you know. Um, right. Oh, yes. You know, so, you know, fingers crossed, wave that magic wand, you know, that <laughs> things are going to hang in there for him and he's going to hang around and stuff. Uh, you know, I, I hope it works. We certainly need to build our team this year. That's my goal. And, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh you know, we're doing the best, Ross is doing the best he can to kind of keep him going and stuff. Uh, we had some recent upgrades in our equipment and have completed most of those. Although we had a, a big upset last week where our dust collector went down and we got kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because we'd already ordered a new one, but the old one died before the new one's here. <laughs> and so... Uh, we're scrambling um, to try to find a used one just to kind of get it going, you know, and not keep and keep us going so that, you know, because we had tons of stuff to blast. Uh, so they spent three days trying to jerry rig or hack a, a mon, you know, like a Frankenstein model of, you know, mm -hmm. a little bit of this, right. that, that was just three days of wasted <laughs> labor. <laughs> both on Ross's part and our employees part, you know, and it was just like, oh, so just frustrating, you know, so Ross Brings ended up hopping on a plane on Friday to uh, another island to go pick up a, a new one, albeit like not a three horsepower one, not the bigger one that we bought. Uh, that's still somewhere on the boat somewhere um, in the middle of the Pacific. Um, so that rarely happens to us, but we really got caught with our pants down, so to speak, with the timing of this vital piece of equipment, um, especially during this like really big architectural job that's kind of flowing in. Uh, and, you know, uh, yeah, it was so, but in the end, I think it's worked out because now we've got the little one hooked up now. And uh, mm -hmm. we thought we would just turn around as soon as the big or bigger one gets here, we thought, oh, we'll just sell it on Craigslist. Somebody will buy it or whatever, because it's pretty much going to be brand new. But now we're thinking, hey, why not add that one to the front of the, you know, uh, to the front end or one end uh, of the uh, glass booth and then add the bigger one to the back end. Right. Mm -hmm. So we'll have more suction, more cleaner air, better conditions overall. So. I think that's what we're, you know, in the end, we're going to come out on top because we're making a better system. So uh, it seems like it'll work out in the end, although we'll have some credit card payments to pay for a while. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, that, and yeah, that, uh, again, that brings back a lot of memories, but um, yeah, it, it all, it all comes with experience. And again, nothing ever breaks um, when you're have downtime. It yeah. never does. It always goes down when you have the busiest. I had I had my oven once uh, go down on me. Had a shaft uh, spun out on it. I had a, I mean a huge uh, three inch shaft um, in in the in blower motor on my oven, and this thing went out on me. And oh my god, to try and find the machinist to recut that thing because oh, so, and it was right in the middle of busy season. So oh, I god. understand completely. It's, it's so stressful. I can only imagine. I mean, 
it was, you know, I think the only thing that came closest to, you know, with, with this was, um, when the crisis happened with the chemical, you know, the stripper, uh, not being able to get stripper and almost running out, uh, of it, you know, like, I think we were down to like, you know, our last five gallon or something like that. Right. You know, before we got our shipment in and, you know, I never thought about that till it was happening, you know, during the whole, um, uh, supply chain problem. And it's like, damn, if we can't strip, we can't do jobs, right? You know, we can't do, uh, you know, everyday jobs that people have money and cash and, you know, it's like cash flow coming in every day doing rims exactly. or stripping somebody's stuff or blasting somebody's stuff, whatever. It's like, wow, you know, I never thought about it until we didn't have it, right? You know, and right. Then we couldn't get it. And that's when you really start to think, whoa, I need to be better prepared or for, for the future, you know? Um, so let's talk about like, uh, what do you, what does a consultant cost? You know, let's talk about, can we talk about your side of the business for a minute? Yeah, sure. That's, that's fine. Um, cost wise, it can run. I mean, my, my basic charges are $125 an hour. Um, but then again, that depends on if I'm going out to a site, how many hours I'm going to be spending. If I'm going to be spending days, there's obviously in a lot of cases, there's travel and travel expenses in there, um, that, that come into play. But, you know, again, if I'm dealing with somebody uh, over the internet or trying to work with them that way, we, I typically try and set up a pay schedule for them, uh, depending on where their business is at financially. Um, right. To help them out. Um, corporations, a whole different story. You know, they'll pay the full nut. It's not a problem. But, you know, smaller folks that uh, always try and, and work with them to help them out a little bit better. But, um, no, a lot of it, a lot of it's done via pictures. A lot of it's done via video uh, online um, because, you know, travel is expensive and you don't always have to be somewhere unless we do get to a point where you, know, you physically have to, to go out there and do it. We're going to be doing a a visit to a company out in South Dakota here in the next month or two um, that we've been talking to for a while. So um, I haven't been on the road a lot lately. I've done more of the, the internet work, but um, yeah, I mean, that's basically how it runs. And again, getting back to the basis of my business, I do a lot of um, problem solving is really what it comes down to. I mean, I've had everything from people call me and go, my gun's not working. And I say, okay, let's take it apart. Let's <laughs> Let's see where right. you're at all the way up to, um, you know, I can't get this powder to stick. Um, and, and we work through their issues on that. And most of it's pretty, pretty basic, but it's just a matter of educating the customer as to where they need to be an understanding in the process. So, yeah, I think that that's, I mean, kind of why we started the podcast. A lot of people like I've been on now I'm getting to be, the guests on people's shows. That's sort of a new twist for me. I'm going to be on a couple of different other podcasts. Well, it's good. Uh, it, yeah. And that, you know, uh, marketing. Kind of new in a different, well, just in a different point, you know, I'm the one asking the questions, right. You know, so to be asked the question is sort of been different for me, you know, but uh, you know, I think that that's, 
kind of, you know, where I've been just pondering things because people are sending me questions to answer or how did you get started or, you know, whatever with the podcast. And I think that that, you know, gave me some time to think, you know, how it got started. And, you know, obviously you were one of the first guests we had and stuff like that uh, back, you know, way back at the beginning. You know, but the thing is, is um, I was, I felt like I was calling it a Cinderella complex because I felt like there was this, the, the, you know, these people that had all the knowledge and information that I didn't have. Uh, mm-hmm. And they were in some big white castle, right? You know, and it's like, I, I need to get into the castle there to get that information or that knowledge that I'm seeking. I mean, we knew enough just from doing the day-to-day stuff, but what what was it that we didn't know, right? That 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 kind of was what our impetus was. What what was there out there that we didn't know about the industry, about the people in the industry, uh, about other people sharing their stories and stuff like that. So that's kind of been, you know, uh, I think we were also very poised to start the podcast because definitely. We, um, you know, we had already accomplished a lot in social media and blogging. And, you know, we had some, we had a different perspective than most people uh, and stuff like that. Uh, You know, I hope to continue to do the podcast, you know, as long as we've got stuff to talk about and um, can cover. I I feel like we barely scratched the surface on the people in the industry, you know, so I hope to have a lot more, you know, and just go with the flow as far as our journey and other people's journeys and what's coming up uh, subject wise. Uh, again, I think it's yeah. the best way. And you, you've really always had this in your crop. I mean, we've been talking for a, for a couple of years. I mean, this goes back, I don't know, you know, maybe three years, I guess we've been been talking with each other now um, on yeah. and off and working with the, the uh, patina and so on and so forth. And, but you've always been good about asking questions and asking, you know, and if, and if, that person doesn't know, at least they can put you on to somebody else. And I put you on to some folks to, to talk with. And um, that's how you learn. That's really how you learn. That's how I learned back in the beginning. Because, I mean, there really wasn't anybody back then. So it was really having to source source folks. But ask questions. Um, you know, um, like you've done general questions about the industry, about where the industry is going. You know, how powders are made. Um, why are there differences between one powder and the other? You know. Things like that, not not so much. How much could, how much should I charge this person to do this wheel? I don't mean that type of thing. You know, talking about more of the, the internal tactical type things. So you've always been good about that. That's where you've gotten. Plus, you this is in your bailiwick, Kim. You've always had this marketing digital thing that you've been very very good at, and I commend you for it. Something I've just never curious. been very good at. Well, <laughs> I guess I'm just curious. You know, probably for my own to, for my own good, as you know, because I. Before we started the show, I told you Ross and I were like, you know, yelling at each other this morning because uh, it's not perfect here in Maui. But, you know, we have our ups and downs uh, being and working together as a couple. It can be sure. a little oh, yes. intense, <laughs> you know. Um, but thanks so much for coming on today. It was such a it, it was time. It was totally time for you to come back on the show, Terry. Well, I, I appreciate it, Kim. It was great talking with you always. And, uh, you know, if you ever need anything, you know, you can always pick up the phone or, or send me an email or send me a, a, a text or whatever it might be. You know that. <laughs>
I thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thanks for being part of this growing community uh, and having the attitude that sharing is not a crime. You know. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not a crime. No. All right. Well, that concludes our episode interview with Terry, State of the Industry. Thanks for joining us today. If you uh, get a chance, uh, be sure to like, subscribe. I got to do this corny stuff at the end of the show. I hate it, but, you know, we're on YouTube. So follow the show on YouTube, but we're all on all kinds of platforms that you listen to when you're listening to podcasts, uh, Spotify, Apple, all that stuff. So thanks again for coming on the show, Terry. Have a beautiful day, everybody. Aloha. Take care.